Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. As a church, we've been sitting in this series called Letters to the Church, talking about the seven letters that Jesus has sent um, to the different churches. It is in the book of Revelation that we read this. So as a church, we're going to unpack five letters. So if you're new to us or this is your first time, we are in the third letter, and it's the letter to the Philadelphian church. This letter is full of great encouragement. There are other letters that's full of rebuke, but for today, we're just going to be encouraging you, okay? It contains a beautiful prophetic promise to the future. The Philadelphian church, I believe a map is going to come up, is now located in the country that we know as Turkey. It's known as a strategic city, a city that became an outpost to reach uncivilised region um, in the area back in the day. It's a strong, fortress city. Just a bit of history. There's so much more to tell, but I don't have time for that this morning. It is also prone to earthquakes and attack from other cities. One of the best things that the Philadelphian church is known for is their faithfulness to God. It is one of the cities in the area, actually, that held a Christian populace for a very long time. Even though other cities around it succumbs to the control of um, Turkey, who, which is a Muslim nation. Other cities have kind of given in to that, but Philadelphia and the church actually held on to their faith in God. So they are known for their faithfulness. So I, I believe I hear that you've been reading this together as a church. So why don't you stand and we're going to read the full letter. There's some significance about reading the full letter and not just half of the letter. So I thought if we could do that, that would be great. If you have your Bibles, you can read it from your Bible or the words will come up on the screen. Are we ready? Yep. Excellent. This is the message to the church in Philadelphia. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Yeah? Got it. <laughs> this is a message from the one who is holy and true. The one... I can't hear you. Oh, my goodness. What's happened? Okay, let me come across. To the angel... Thank you. I wonder why you were so quiet. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds... See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, true though they are not, are liars. And I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, 
the new Jerusalem, which is coming down of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. You may take your seats. Thank you. What good dictation you have. (laughs) There are a lot of imagery used in this really beautiful letter. The imagery of key, the imagery of door and pillar. I love how Jesus, when he writes to his church, that he uses imagery that is relevant to the people of that city because there's a connection, an immediate connection and understanding that they can take from his letter. It's obvious, it's clear, and they can look around the imagery around their city. So we're going to unpack a little bit of that today. There are many key themes and promises to the followers of Jesus. It contains a beautiful message of God that invites all of us to receive. So today, whether you have been a Christian, Christian for a long time, or you're new to faith, or you're actually exploring faith, this letter you can actually draw meaning from, and it's also a promise to you. So through the imagery of key, door, and pillar, I'm going to look at two life-changing promises that as a follower of Jesus, this is who we are. We are renamed and we are repurposed. To get us there, let me take a bit of time and look at some of the significance part of the first, first part of verse 7. It says, this is a message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. I just want to draw your attention to this first imagery, the keys. There are significance in keys, right? I have a bunch of keys right here. There's a lot of keys on here. I don't know why I want that many. There's a key to my house, the door to my house, to my car, the offices, um, keys to gateway. It's pretty important keys. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I somehow have a key to Aldi's trolley. Anyway, um, so on my bunch of keys, there's lots of keys that, you know, gives me access to different places. You have keys? Do you guys have keys? Yes. Hopefully you carried your keys today so you don't have to call someone to let you back into your homes. Traditionally, keys are held by kings of the city or it is entrusted to someone of significance. Here in Brisbane, there is a symbolic thing that we do but where we grant the keys to the city that represents the highest honour to someone, whether it's an organisation or a person, to, to acknowledge their achievement and their contribution to this city here in Brisbane. It's normally given by the Lord's Mayor. And the recipients to the keys of the city of Brisbane, the list will come up for you. There's so many. Look at all that. It keeps going, keeps going. If you want to know the full list, please go to the Brisbane City Council website. That will give it to you. It's a mix of entertainers, veterans, soldiers, sporting teams. We love to celebrate our sporting teams. Organisations like Girl Guides, the police, the bushfire relief heroes, and Red Frogs, one of the Christian organisations is also on there that recently have received the key to Brisbane. We would love to see more Christian organisations. Wouldn't it be great if Gateway Baptist Church receives that key to the city? I believe that. Keys hold a significant meaning in what Jesus is trying to say in this passage here. So you see, what was happening at the time in in Philadelphia is that there was a huge gap between what the Jews believed and also what Christians, followers of Jesus, believed. 
The Christians and followers of Jesus believed that Jesus has come and that, that he is the Messiah, whereas there were some Jews in the city who were still waiting for the Messiah to come. So there was a huge gap between Judaism and Christianity at the time. So followers of Jesus, those who believe that Christ is the Messiah, bless you, <laughs> um, that's okay, endured a lot of stress and pressure from other Jews in the community. There was a dispute as to who held the key of David. Who held the key to the kingdom of God? Who and through whom are we going to inherit the kingdom of God and salvation? Because of this dispute, there was a doors to the synagogue where people go to worship were shut to some of the Christians. So some Jews are like, you're not welcome here. We're shutting these doors. You see, in scripture, it was prophesied that the Messiah is going to come through the lineage of David. So right here at the outset of this letter, Jesus is proclaiming himself as the one who holds the key of David. He is the one that holds the key to the kingdom of God. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and all is welcome into my family. He now opens the door. The door there is shut to some. He now opens the door for all to inherit the kingdom of God. And here another imagery is introduced, the door. We're going to get there later on as well. But right now, let me take you to the second half of verse 7, as I don't want to miss this really important part of our service today. It says, And what he closes, no one can open. As the person that holds the key to the kingdom of God, Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth and all over its inhabitants. Through him, he nullifies the opposition that comes against humanity. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But in Jesus, the power of sin is permanently shut. He's saying here, and we can read into this and say that what he closes, no one can open. Before, when Jesus hung on the cross, as you read in the Gospels, and you have heard about the message of Jesus, that he goes to the cross and he hangs on the cross for the penalty of our sin, as he hangs there, one of the last words he said before his last breath was breathed, he said, it is finished. It is finished. What he means by that is that I now have closed the door to the power of sin over all of humanity. I have now closed the door to the power of sin. And through the work of his death and resurrection, we now have a door that's open to the kingdom of God and eternal life. Romans 6, 5, 11 says this. I hope it's the same. <laughs> I'm going to read it from here. Since we have been united with him in death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Is it the same? It's close. It's close. <laughs> so, okay. Thank God for interpretations. Okay. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In the same way, count yourselves 
dead to the power of sin. One of the translation actually says that, to the power of sin. So today we're going to consider ourselves dead to the power of sin. The Bible said so. You know, sin, when we talk about sin and the power of sin, the difference is this. Sin is like the act of doing something. The power of sin is the thing that keeps lingering. Right? Like we can acknowledge, yes, I've done that, I lied. But the power of sin kind of makes you kind of stay there and you may have committed something, but the power of sin reminds you that you've committed that thing. That's what the difference is. So the power of sin speaks names over us. It has that potential of just keeps reminding us of the, the things that we have done wrong in our past. You know, it names us things like, and it causes us rejected. It sometimes calls us shameful, that you are fearful, you're a disappointment, you're a mistake, you're insignificant, you don't belong, you exclude, you're forgotten, you're not forgiven because you've done something. You see, the power of sin separates us from the love of God. But the Bible also said nothing can separate us from the love of God and that he comes down. So when Jesus died on the cross, he dealt with the power of sin, the the potential and the, the thing that wants to keep us there. He died once and for all. And the work of the cross cements our new and our true identity as who we are. This is his promise, that through him we would receive a new name. And here's the promise, he renames us. No longer are we going to be able to sit and say that we're sinful, shameful, fearful, that we're a mistake, and all of those names that may come to mind, because these names no longer exist in Jesus. It's been replaced with a new name a new name that restores our relationship with God, a new name that puts you in the right standing. No matter what you've done in the past, this new name that Jesus speaks over you, what he's done on the cross is the thing that remains. And this is what he says of us in scripture. And there are so many places that he says this, that you are children of God, that you are sons, that you are daughters. We're celebrating Mother's Day today, right? And I know my kids um, would, I, I suppose, like, they would come home and, and they know that they can be whoever they are in my house. You know, they can pass wind and burp and, and do all those things and be themselves. I have 14-year-old twins. Wind happens all the time. And, <laughs> um, but they feel loved and welcomed. They have a key to the door to my house. And when they're in our household, they are loved, they are welcomed, and no matter what they've done, they know that their parents love them. And I see that as a picture that God gives us here, is that, you know, when he names his sons and daughters, he's saying to you, I'm giving you the key to my house. I'm giving you the right to be in my house. You can do whatever you want. That's not going to change the way I love you, the way I see you. The letters that we just wrote to these beautiful women in bloom and in cherished homes, you know, I'm sure that they carry the weight and the power of sin over their life. The sin of others that commit against them, they're themselves as they don't know how to come into a relationship with God and as they discover him. They carry shame. They carry the feeling of insignificance. They don't know if they have a future ahead of them because of all the circumstances that surrounds them. But the word of God says this, and I know that as these letters go to them, it will be like Jesus whispering into their ears and saying, you are loved. 
You are known to me. I see you. I love you. And that is what is the power of in the name of Jesus that he gives us. When he renames us, the past is in the past. It is in the past. It's done once and for all. 2 Corinthians 6, 18 says this. It's a beautiful promise. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. You will be my sons and daughters. He doesn't change his mind. He's not like, well, you're not good enough, actually, so I'm not going to call you that. He says, no, I will call you that. So what we're going to do, I know PJ is coming up. It's not the end of the service. I've got more to say. But I do want to ask as a church just to kind of sit in this moment for a little bit because there is something powerful here that I don't want us to kind of skip over. And that, you know, in the letters to the churches, it is clear to us that Jesus is calling his church, his people, to repent of their sin or to open the door of your hearts to receive from him about those who have sinned against you. At one moment in life, you know, one point or another, I'm sure all of us are reminded of the things that people call us or the names that we give ourselves because of how we feel. I know certainly for me as I've been reading this, I remember feeling like I'm completely lost and have no future because of my circumstances or that I'm not good enough or pretty enough or well-spoken enough or, you know, good-looking enough even, or smart enough, or whatever it is, or that people would call me names as I was growing up, or the circumstances around me gives me the names, that you're not good, or that you don't have anything to offer, whatever it may be for you. There may be names that people have given you in childhood. There may be circumstances in your life that that has been spoken over you, and today, what we're going to do is we're actually going to say, we're going to shut the door to that. Just as Jesus said, I have shut that door to the power of sin over your life. You don't have to be a prisoner or a slave to that anymore. You don't. He wants you to live in your new name as loved and accepted as sons and daughters. So right now where you are, we're going to take just a couple of minutes for God to search our hearts. Psalm 139, 23 to 24 says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So PJ is going to play. I want to give you the gift of time for a couple of minutes. Wherever you are right now, where you are sitting, if you want to close your eyes, if you want to put your hands in front of you, if you want to and say this prayer to God, search my heart, oh God. Are there things in me? Are there names that people have spoken over me? Are there circumstances right, even right now that's hanging over my head? Are there things I'm believing for and I just haven't seen and yet come to pass? Is there a power of sin? It's sometimes it's not your doing. Sometimes it's others who inflicted on you. Whatever those names are, wherever you are right now, why don't you spend a couple of minutes and allow the Lord to just search your heart.
Jesus, you are so kind. You're so loving. You're so gentle. Jesus, you are the one that holds the key to eternal life. You close the door on the power of sin permanently. Church, wherever you are, if you want to open up your eyes, together we're going to declare the power in the name of Jesus together right now. A prayer is going to come up on the screen. And wherever you are, why don't we declare this together? I'm going to do this. I'll make sure that we say the same things. Are we ready? Jesus, we declare your name over our past, the offence of sin that lingers, the memories that haunt us, the habit of reopening the door of sin that you have shut. In you, we are no longer a disappointment, rejected, living in shame or fear, a mistake, unworthy, forgotten or excluded. Jesus, you declare when you died on the cross and you said these words, it is finished. Why don't you say that with me today as we end this part? It is finished. Thank you, Jesus. So true, God. It is finished. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your love. We're going to do this next part together. You know, when we shut the door to the past, he renames us, right? So why don't we declare the new name that he's given us, the new identity. Now that we've shut the door to that, let's declare the new names over us. Together, let's go for it, church. It says, Jesus, we now accept the new name you give us. We are loved, forgiven, accepted, significant sons, daughters, welcomed and found. Thank you, Jesus, that in you we receive this new name. Thank you for dying on the cross for us so that our relationship can be restored to the Father. Thank you that you became the person, God, that goes between us and our sin and you absorb all the sin to yourself so that we can be celebrated, so that we can be lifted, so we no longer have to sit in our past and in, our, in the pain, in the memories, God, but that in you we can be truly found and in you we are fully forgiven and we are fully accepted and loved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for doing that with me. I know we don't kind of do that in the middle of the sermon most of the time, but I really felt as I was praying for you this week that it's important that as we read the truth, that we declare the truth together. So thank you. Thank you for going there with me today. I love that we got to do that together as a family. Thank you, PJ. We can give you a stool if you want to stay up there. <laughs> well, no, it's fine. <laughs> if you don't know the history of PJ, he likes to play for a very long time on stage. <laughs> Jason Ellsmore didn't help me to say that today, by the way. <laughs> Spirit fingers you have, it's awesome. Okay, we're going to transition. Yeah, we love you, PJ. Um, we're going to transition to the last part of the sermon. We're going to continue to unpack the, last, the other parts of verse 7 and 8 in Revelation 3. It says, What he opens, no one can shut, 
And another part, beginning of verse 8, it says this, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. When Jesus renames us, he also repurposes us. When he renames us, he repurposes us. The door that Jesus shut, he also opens a new door for us, a door to the kingdom of God. And this open door for the Philadelphian church at the time was to go and spread the kingdom of God culture in their region. It is also a personal invitation, a door to enter our life and eternal life with him. Opportunities lies in the name of Jesus in the door that he opens. I was thinking about this during the week. You know, we're talking about, oh, yeah, God opened a new door of opportunity for me. It's a new job, a new relationship, a new whatever it is. You know, we, we kind of symbolically see that Jesus shut the door on that and opened the door and I'll just go through the door. You walk. All of that is true. But it, truly in, in biblical understanding, what he is really saying is, in me, all your opportunities are there. So really, when you walk through the door that Jesus opens for you, it can be a new career and a new relationship or whatever it is. But Jesus says, it's all there for you. I'm not withholding anything from you. So you don't have to ask me all the time to, please, God, shut the door. He's done that. And he opens the door full of opportunities for you. So if you're here today and you're praying and you're wondering what God is going to do, he's so kind. So the door that he's opened has been open since the beginning. It's never been limited for you. So I pray that today. I really sense that, that some of you are wondering what is the next step for you, just know that if you just stay centred in the love of Jesus, all the opportunities lies within him. Okay, that's not on my notes. Um, in verse 12, it says this. You know, when he renames us, he gives us a purpose. Okay, I'm going to go here again because let's read verse 12 together. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Again, the Philadelphian church would have read this and found the rich meaning in the imagery of a pillar. You see, in Philadelphia, as we know from the beginning, it's prone to earthquakes. It's known to withstand earthquakes and wars that ravage the city. So, you know, when um, the Philadelphian church or the area of Philadelphia was attacked by other cities, often what remains are pillars of the temple of God. Is there a picture? There it is. I actually went to Philadelphia and saw this myself personally, like two decades ago, um, but it's still standing. Like, these pillars are still standing after all the earthquakes, after all the wars that have come. In this letter, Revelation 3, Jesus Christ is promising to set the believers in such a fashion of security and stability that you as a church, you as people of God, will be unwavering strong and you can withstand opposition. As pillars, there'll be no longer any disturbance that will come and take you out of the city. No quakes will waver in the stability that we can find in Christ. He gave them a purpose. 
you know, he shuts the door on sin, but he gives them a purpose. He says, I'm going to make you a pillar. What's the purpose of a pillar? It bears weight. It holds up structures. In all of our buildings that we see here in the city, there will be pillars in there, seen or unseen, that's holding up the structure. It is known to be said that pillars have been described as a bridge between heaven and earth. The vertical axis both unites these two realms of heaven and earth together. So as followers of Jesus, we are renamed and we are repurposed into God's mission. We are pillars, we are called pillars in the kingdom of God. We are to be the bridge between heaven and earth. We are to uphold the principles of the kingdom of God. We are meant to be pillars that uphold the values of the kingdom. We are to stand tall and firm in the midst of earthquakes. And haven't we, in the last two and a half years, seen a global earthquake that's happened, where people have become, their stability has become taken away from them, the constant change that is happening in our world right now, the fear, we have, haven't we, witnessed that many times over, especially in the last two and a half years. So you as people of God, and if you are as pillars in the temple of God, what is it that people see in you? What are you standing up for? When they see you, do they see strength? Do they see joy? Do they see stability? Do they see kindness and gentleness? Do they see patience? Yes, trials and challenges come against God's people all of the time. But the pillar remains because it is strong. This is what the Philadelphian church did to remain strong. In verse 8 and 10, you can read it. There are a number of places where Jesus commends them for keeping their word, his word. That's one way you can remain strong, is to have the word of God close to your heart and know it. That you don't deny his name. The church never denied the name of Jesus and the power in the name of Jesus. They were patient and they never gave up. They were faithful and continue to be faithful for a very long time. Not in their own strength, but in the strength that Jesus gives them. So remember that Jesus is the one who will make the pillar stand. That's the promise in Revelation 3.12. I will make the pillar. Not you, in your own strength. He will do it for you. Psalm 144 verse 12 says this, Then our sons in their youth, I will be like well-nurtured plants, and our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. It's so beautiful. And our daughters will be like pillars carved, adorned in a palace. Today I want to celebrate some daughters in the, here. We're going to celebrate these pillars, women who are strong. I'm going to honour them who are biological mums as well as spiritual mums here in the life of our church at the Sea Campus. So I'd like to invite Linda Stringer to come up, one of the string. Please welcome Linda. And I'd like to invite Christine Ossenberg also to come up. Yay, Christine. Can we have a mic for these guys too? Thank you. So if you don't know Linda... 
I affirmed and confirmed today your age, Linda, but I won't tell everyone because I've been, to, been telling everyone I've got this amazing woman in my life. In her, she's like 72. She's like, I'm not 72. I'm much younger than that, so sorry for adding the years to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> we want to honour you today, Linda. We know that you have such a heart um, for people. We know that you will say yes to almost anything. And in fact, you'd rather say yes or be behind the scenes than be up here on stage. I know it's taken some courage for you to say yes for me asking you to come up today. But we want to celebrate and honour you for the way that you champion our pastoral care in this city. So if you, those of you who don't know Linda, I'm sure she'll be in touch with you and care for you. But I know there are many sitting here today that have been blessed by your care for them. And I know you're a wonderful mum. And um, so we want to celebrate you today, Linda. And Christine. She's also courageous. I'm wearing a shirt to tell you so, that she is courageous. Um, we want to honour you today just for the way that you just serve so faithfully. You serve on our worship team. You serve in, the, in your relationship with people. And I know for sure that you are a mum to our worship team that you just care and love for them and championing them. So thank you for all that you give and impart into the life of our church. So we want to celebrate you today as well. You know, these ladies, and there are many more of you, are pillars of this church, of Gateway City Campus. And I know that there are things resident in your heart that you see that God would do in this city. And I know he has renamed you and he has repurposed you. So instead of me praying for this city, I wonder whether as pillars of this church that you would declare God's goodness over his people and that the message of Jesus would go out to those that don't know him. So, Linda, why don't you, why don't you join us as they pray for all the city? Yeah. Shall we pray? Lord, we know that you know every person in the city by name. You love them, Lord, and you, you want to bless them. And we just pray, Lord, that you will care for each one of them and that as we as a people will care for them, that we will see them through your eyes yes. and love them the way you love them. And as you have blessed us, Lord, may we be a blessing to each and every one of them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah. And gracious Heavenly Father, as your church, we declare that you are the great I am and bring you yeah. all our thanks and praise. As a big God, we know that you want to hear our big prayers. Lord, we ask for your spirit to empower us so we can make a difference in the lives of others through our actions and prayers so that they may know your transformative love and power and how special they are to you. Lord, we know that you want to bless our city of Brisbane and restore its focus on you. And so, Lord, we pray against the distractions found in a busy city. God, we declare your love, grace and mercy and pray fervently to see your kingdom increased here in our city and that we, as your church, will take your light so that it will shine bright in all buildings, nooks and crannies of this city. Yes, God. Lord, we stand in unity and confidence knowing you have a plan for Brisbane. We thank you for the opportunity, space and resources we have as Gateway City to reach out to those who are in desperate need of you. Mm -hmm. And we lift up all those who serve in our city care ministry. Thank you for your faithfulness and unmeasurable love in your holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Happy Mother's Day. Just a little gift 
from us to you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Why don't we stand where you are? I believe Andrew is going to lead us and the team. Whenever you can close your eyes and if you're able, just um, extend a hand in the posture to receive from God this morning. I'm going to pray over us. Jesus, today we declare that you are the Messiah. We declare, God, that you are the one that is holy and true and that you are Lord over this city, that you are Lord and you have taken the power of sin away and that you hold the power over our city and over our lives. You are the way, God. Jesus, you are the way, the truth and the life. And in you, we receive eternal life. Thank you for renaming us. Thank you that our new identity as your children can be found in you. Thank you that you have renamed us and you also repurposed us. Thank you that you invite us, God, into your mission to see others come to know you as well. We pray, God, that as a church, as a people of this city, that we will remain strong, that we'll keep your word close to our heart, that we will never deny your name, that we have the courage to take your life-changing message of who you are to the people around us. May you pour out your favour, God, upon your church and over our city today. In Jesus' name I pray. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.